1: The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
2: All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is no stranger to Western hunting. His name is Jonathan McCormick, and we've talked on multiple podcasts together, and I'm really excited to have him on to hear how his season is going and what he has coming up. It's always a good time to chat with him. And this is a guy I see myself hunting with multiple times in the future. I mean, he is just A good dude loves to get it done loves the grind and the hard work and just pushing through and making a hunt happen No matter what the conditions are and so we're gonna hear how his season's going and uh, what he's got coming up So let's jump into this podcast with Jonathan Like he was doing things that were just badass That was one of the coolest moments of my life I was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and on the show with me today i've got a i guess a repeat guest kind of you know now you've been on both podcasts i've been on your podcast and uh, I just feel like we're going to spend a lot of time talking and hopefully hunting together soon, but Jonathan McCormick's on with me. He's with red beard outdoors and uh red beard fit crew. And he's just a super bad dude, I guess. I don't know. He's got a bad <laughs> beard, you know, like when you have a red beard, I feel like it's, it's like a next step. Everybody could have a beard like yours. And if it's like black or Brown or blonde, eh, it's all right. But when it's red, it just seems better
1: that's funny yeah thanks thanks for having me on yeah I guess I am a a repeat just on a different podcast since you're too cool and you've got two podcasts so
2: (laughs) dude now we've got three podcasts man I don't that's right it's not an outdoor one but my wife and I started one and it's not nearly as great I I mean I say that but she's (laughs) already got more listens than I did on the first 16 episodes of mine and we're three episodes in so
1: there we go. Now I'm going to have to get my wife a microphone and we'll have to get on yours. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. That'd be
2: awesome, man. We can just do like a couple get
1: her on my podcast. Some people have said that I'm like, man, I'm, I'm working on it. We'll, we'll see.
2: Yeah. See, the problem is as soon as, as soon as you get your wife on the podcast, she's probably going to start listening to the podcast. And oh,
1: she does. She gives me plenty of feedback.
2: Oh shoot. All right. <laughs> see, my wife doesn't have time for it. She's like, I don't have time to listen to your podcast. Uh, but she's been on mine a couple times and, it's a good time, but that, that'd that be sweet.
1: Yeah, when she's when my wife is really bored at work, uh, she's an accountant. So when she's sitting there making spreadsheets dance like she does, uh, sometimes I'll get a random text like, hey, um, you could do this or, you know, like, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for that. Thank you very yeah, much. Appreciate and it. Hey,
1: you're listening. Thank you.
2: <laughs> what's going to be really great is like, hey, you don't need to change anything. Like, this was amazing. Great job on the podcast. And you're going to be like, are you being sarcastic right now? Because I feel like it's always constructive criticism
1: yeah yeah that, that would be complete sarcasm coming from my wife
2: <laughs> yeah dude so what's been up since the last time we talked because i mean we talked last time kind of near the beginning of seasons right and mm-hmm. uh it, i feel like everything was just a kicking off or about to kick off in most states what uh what have you been out hunting
1: yeah. So I had a mule deer tag here in Utah and I had a, or I have an elk tag. It's supposed to go through Thursday, but Thursday's my daughter's birthday. So I'm Ooh. cutting it short to tomorrow. And, uh, you know, man, it's, it's been a rough season. We were talking about yours, uh, just before we hopped on here. And, uh, I'm like, man, I might have to pay you to ship some meat out to me. Cause that <laughs> it's been, my season been rough, man. Um, I don't know, where do you want me to start?
2: Start at the beginning, man. Did you, were these both tags that you drew or over the counter?
1: So elk is over the counter here in Utah for residents. Uh, I've got the over the counter tag. I didn't get the limited entry. Um, That would be the draw tag. Um, I don't know how long that's going to take me to get, but I'm putting in for it. And I didn't do any out of state hunts because I'm still just, you know, figuring things out. uh, As far as the Western hunting goes next year, I will be at least going to Colorado um, for an elk hunt. Uh, and then Utah as well, but I had I did draw the mule deer tag, so the 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 uh, the buck tag this year, and so I guess it started back at the end of August, which I don't know why Utah does that, but they do. Um, where you start, I think it's like August 20th or 21st is when you officially start archery season. Okay. Um, I wish they would take that week and cut it out of August and slap it on the end of September. It would be nice because we end uh, officially, I think it's September 22nd or 21st kind of when things are getting really good. Um, yeah, it's weird know,
2: that they would have it open that early, especially yeah. if you're going to take time away from like the beginning of the rut or like peak activity in some spots. Mm-hmm. I don't Yeah,
1: Well, it used to be that they, so my first year hunting, uh, archery was that ended on the 15th. So right as things were getting like even barely started. So they yeah. added another week, which was nice. Um, but I do wish they'd get rid of the August cause it's just so hot, you know, Yeah. basically all the whole strategy behind that is to sit water and, uh, hopefully you pick the right water hole. So, um, but yeah, so that, so that started in August. I was mainly chasing mule deer in August. Um, just the, the velvety mule deer. I got pretty close, um, uh, on a couple of them, but it's just so, again, it's so crunchy and dry here in Utah. Um you kind of have to play things right and I I had a couple good stalks. Um I guess my best one I got into 34 yards uh to where I could see his head, I saw his ears, um but his vitals were covered by the sagebrush that we have out here or uh whatever you want to call it, the sage, the um uh, mahogany, what I don't know, but the little small bushes yeah. um that I couldn't shoot through and then he caught him he caught me. I was thinking there was a a bush behind me, but it was a little bit I guess to my right from where he was looking. So, uh, he could see me playing his day. We had to stare down for like five minutes and they just turned around and took his buddy with him and walked off. So Dang. that ended August. Uh, then September I spent, oh man. Um, I'd have to count the days, but it was, it was the majority of those 20 days in September. I was out there. I want to say it was, it was, it was, I don't know, 18, 19 of those days I was out there and, uh, and it was, it was interesting uh, to say the least. Um, I had, I, they started bugling kind of the last week of the season. Um, and I, the area that I was hunting, there's not a lot of glassing that you can do. It's really thick. Um, and so, and then there's also a lot of people. So it was almost like
2: undergrowth or is it mature tree thick?
1: Uh, kind of a mix to be honest with you some of the areas some of the areas had a lot of undergrowth but as far as being able to glass it was the taller trees that were getting in the way there yeah um and then there's a lot of people so it was almost like whitetail hunting in this one area uh you kind of had to make sure you knew where they were walking um and kind of sit in a good spot which i'm not good at doing that's why i really love elk hunting because i want to be able to see them go after them chase them and um so i was always like one step behind them And they would be really quiet during the day. So I know I'm not anywhere near good at being elk uh, calling elk, but um, yeah, they weren't answering to anything. And uh, so near the end of the season, um, they were bugling all night to the point where they'd wake me up in the middle of the night. uh, But as soon as the sun came up, they they would stop. And uh, so I'd go out there. And it was interesting because it was one day that I was out there. I was walking this track and I've got it marked on Onyx. And uh, I went through this whole draw, put on some miles. My buddies came in the next day. I took them to a different area because I'd seen a bunch of people in this one area that I was uh, during that day. So I wanted to take them somewhere else to hit another one of my spots uh, that I was thinking, you know, I had e-scouted. I thought there'd be elk in there. And uh, we came back the, the very next day to that same draw that I had marked my track on on X. And I sent my buddy up the right side of the draw, his brother up the left side, and I went up the middle. And uh, there was a sign everywhere. And and the guy that went up the left was saying that he, there was something big moving in front of him, but he couldn't even see it. It was so thick. Uh, it was being super quiet. It'd break a branch every once in a while. We didn't end up getting eyes on that. And then uh, we get a text from his brother that went up the right side that was like, hey, there's a, a bull down over here. Um, this guy's cleaning him up from the night before. And he sent me the pin on Onyx where that bull was killed. And it was smack dab where I had walked 24 hours previous to that guy killing it. So, right. And so like they're in there and I was in the right spots, but I was always either like one step behind them, one step in front of whatever. And uh, the guy said he was like, man, I didn't even know the elk was here. I just sat down. I was eating my snacks and I heard a twig break. Oh, my God. It was a squirrel. (laughs) <laughs> and I look up and 50 yards away, there's this elk and he wasn't anything massive. Right. But, but he was a bull branch yeah. antlered bull. And um, he was like, yeah, he just walked up to me basically 30 yards, put it right through the pump house. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that that's kind of how that was going. I, I had a couple of times where um, like I was going through some dead fall. I had a bull chuckle at me and we kind of went back and forth for a little bit. And then he, just left. And what blows me away about elk is that even when it's so crunchy and dry, they're able to somehow take those massive antlers, like what you've got behind your head and walk through these trees and not break a single thing or make a single noise. And they're like three to four times heavier than I am. Yeah. And, and they're just Cruising along like nothing, but I step over one deadfall and the whole freaking forest lights on fire and knows that I'm there. You know, it sounds saying? like a
2: fireworks show. Dude, exactly. That's it. That's the weirdest thing because like we've seen it. We've seen it multiple times where like a squirrel makes so much noise, and you're like, dude, what is that? Like, that's gotta be a freaking <laughs> bull coming through here. And you see like a chipmunk, and then yep. you have elk all over around you, and you don't hear a single thing. Like we walked into some one day. We never heard like tree branches. I mean, we were in uh, thick, thick cedars. We were actually making a play on a herd of like 70 elk. And the only reason we knew they all took off one, we smelled them. My buddy stopped me. He's like, mm-hmm. You smell that? It was my first year. was like he's a barnyard. Like, he, he goes, You smell that? And I go, Yeah. And he goes, That's elk. You will never forget that smell now. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's potent. And he's like, Dude, they've got like, they must have just been in here. We, we walk another five yards, and the ground just starts shaking. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And we could hear, like, just their footsteps on dry ground, but they ran through cedars. We didn't hear, like, commotion, like, branches breaking, didn't mm-hmm. see, like, needles all over the ground. They somehow got out of there without making much of a noise aside from, you know, the stampede sound that 70 yeah. elk make when they run.
1: <laughs> Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's it it blows me away every time, and that's what keeps me coming back. So that's that was my September, and then what happens in Utah is you can hunt the extended archery. So you take like a twenty question quiz. It's basically like talks about no trespassing, et cetera. That you you have to know the different area because the extended unit shrinks the area down pretty pretty harshly. Um, so it kind of condenses a lot of the the archers, uh, but it runs through the end of November for mule deer and it runs through december 15th for um it runs through december 15th for elk. And so and you can switch that between uh whether it be a bull or a cow. Right? So either one of those two. And so uh and the same thing for for deer. So if you've got the tag for mule deer if you've got a buck you can also go for a doe. Um whichever one you're you're wanting. And so uh this whole time I've spent I don't know how many days now going after between mule deer and an elk, and uh, my wife's going to be real happy tomorrow when I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> see, uh, we,
2: it's so funny how like the household changes because during season we're all like jacked, and wives are like, "Oh my gosh, does the season ever end?" And then as soon as season ends, we go into like we call it deer depression around here when whitetail season's <laughs> over. But like out there, you know, season ends you get and the there's like list, this man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. And they're just thrilled as can be to have their husband back and not be single mm-hmm. anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, I've already got, you know, a nice long honey-do list. Um, my buddy's actually got a bison tag uh, for the Henry Mountains in January. So that's going to be a freezing cold hunt um, that I'll probably spend a couple of, of weekends down there helping him. Um uh, and but yeah so anyway going back to this season so with with the mule deer uh, it's a lot of fun chasing them during the rut because they get really dumb at least the the bucks do the does not so much but uh they just get they're always annoyed you know because yeah. the bucks are chasing after them and so I went out quite a few mornings and I had just told myself I'm not going to shoot anything less than a two-point because uh, I got my spike last year with with the muzzleloader and so um this year, you know, I, I found some good two points, some really exciting ones uh that had some deep forks. Uh it was just a lot of fun watching them as the rut started kicking off, yeah. chasing their does, you know, fighting each other, hearing the clacking of the, the antlers, et cetera. Um I had some really good stalks, but then this this one morning in oh man, it was like November 11th or 12th. Um we were gonna be heading out the next day to my brother's wedding and, in North Carolina. And so I just went up for the morning and, uh, and I don't think anyone from my work listens to this. So I went, (laughs) I went out before we had a work meeting. So I was kind of, I had this little short window, right? So I went up, uh, found the deer and I, I took a shot. I was pretty far. Um, it was an 83 yard shot on a mule deer and it was basically straight downhill. So it was like shooting 83 yards out of a tree stand, like downhill and uh there was a lot of things that went into that um a hiker came up just after i shot uh he for some reason wanted to take some pictures and he talked to me about it we watched as all the mule deer so i i could have sworn i hit him and uh took the shot shot broke clean um i feel like it hit a little back he was a little quarter towards me so i felt like maybe it was liver and guts so not the best shot um but I, I was hundred percent positive. I'd hit him. And so I was talking with the hiker at the same time, keeping an eye on all the deer that I'd watched and I'd counted the bucks that were in the draw. And so I saw them, you know, go out and I didn't see, or I counted the same amount of bucks that I'd seen before I took the shot and they all left and none of them had holes in them. None of them were bleeding or limping. And I was kind of like, okay, well maybe did I hit a branch in front of them and yeah. see like the poof of the snow come off the branch cuz i swear i saw it come off of him like the condensation or whatever poof and oh, he yeah. kicked like he got hit well i got down there and there was no blood couldn't find my arrow and there was no blood and i was like i was like man well that's that's weird cuz we had just had some snow so if there was even a speck of blood i would have seen it yep and so i i followed his tracks cuz he was the only deer that had gone this certain path so i followed his tracks still no blood no arrow and then it mixed in with the other deer. And I was like, well, I counted all the bucks going out. So maybe it was a clean miss, which is better than than nothing. Yep. Uh, but I kept running it through my head and just thinking, like, man, I, I swear I hit him. Like, I could have sworn I saw the fletchings go through his body. And um anyway, so I, I'm I go to North Carolina and uh oh, and all in all of this, I actually lost my release. Oh no. So. I mean, if anyone knows anything about these Ultra Review buttons, they're not cheap. Yeah. And uh, so that got lost while I was tracking the deer in some super thick stuff. It's black, so it's not standing out. I don't have a colored lanyard on it, you know. And uh, so that was going through my mind. I went to this work meeting, came back, uh, a family hike. And then I, you know, went up with one of my sons and tried to find it, couldn't find it. Um, Went to North Carolina, came back. And as we were landing on Monday, a buddy of mine that was hunting in that same area texted me, you know, just kind of catching up about his hunting that weekend and said he had busted some deer. He's like, but it was weird. I came across this, uh, this buck that looks like he got shot a little far back. And I was like, Oh man, I was like, drop me a pen. So he dropped me the pen and he sent me the picture. And the picture was of the, where would have been the exit of the arrow. Yep. and it lined up with my shot like 100 percent and Man. and the rack wasn't anything impressive like that stuck with you it was just a little two point so I was like that could be mine I'm gonna go check it because my plan was to go back out and start hunting bucks again because I thought I had a clean miss yeah and uh and so I go up and so I I found where the pin was and where I had stopped tracking where his his uh I guess tracks had met with all the other deer. Um, was three steps away from this little ravine, and he was right there. Oh my gosh. And he he had died like instantly. And it was exactly oh, what geez. so what had happened was he didn't bleed out his the entry hole because it I was so high up, it went through actually the last rib, but up near the spine, nicked the nicked the lung, went through the liver, and went out his hind quarter on the other side. So what happened was he didn't bleed out the entry hole and the exit hole was plugged by guts. Yep. There so was zero blood. Oh my and, gosh. But he had just bedded right there and died and all the other deer had left. So it's right
2: where you, oh dude, that's, that's heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, it, it happens to everybody. If you hunt long enough, you're going to have something like that happen. And it's yep. unfortunate, but like we had the same thing. I, I hunted with my uncle. Well, I would hunt the same property as my uncle. I would always go and help him drag deer out. You know, like it's, it's a highlight of the day when you're not seeing anything and you hear a gunshot and you Mm -hmm. go and look, well, he had the same type of thing happen and he had shot one and he's like, Hey, it went up and over the knob, but just go look for blood. And I look and look Mm -hmm. and look, and I'm following deer tracks and stuff. And I'm like, dude, there's no blood anywhere. And, Right after you get up and over the hill, maybe 20 yards farther is the property line. So I'm like, there's no blood Mm. anywhere up to the top of the hill. And I didn't go up and over to look. Two days later, we were hunting back there. And I was like, hey, I just want to see this little bowl near the property line. And I walk up there and his doe was dead right there that he had shot. And we're like, oh my gosh, it was me as like a thirteen year old kid, you know, like I don't know anything, but there was fur, but it was all white. Mm-hmm. There was no brown fur or anything. So right. I thought what had happened is he like had just grazed or you know, the the vortex from the mm. from the round, like kicked a like ten strands Gave of hair haircut. off. Yeah, yeah. That's all I thought. And then sure enough, we get over there. The coyotes had tore it up completely. And uh but he Dang he had made a great shot on it 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 was a perfect shot and i just didn't as as a new hunter put in mm-hmm. the due diligence that you know i should have to make sure and so but it it, it happens and it's unfortunate yep. but like the fact that you actually did end up finding it or your buddy found it and dropped you a pin like it gives you it gives you closure on it at the very least you know it so, didn't and, and just get injured that's... and get eaten by coyotes
1: exactly and he actually it was weird nothing had picked at it like, huh. I mean, maybe birds, birds had picked that like the exit hole. Um, but, and so I was thinking maybe I could, cause it had maybe gotten up to 40 degrees at the highest during those days we were gone. If he hadn't bedded in the sun, I probably could have recovered at least the back straps. Yeah. Um, but there was, I cut him open and man, he smelled so bad, but yeah. so I, I tagged him and took the head out. And, uh, but that buddy of mine didn't know that I was hunting up there. Hadn't known that I had taken a shot, nothing. So that that's something kind of, I wanted to comment on just for, you know, people out there, like the thought crossed my mind to just leave the deer and not go check it. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, I still want to hunt. I'm not going to be able to recover that meat. That was the, that was one of the first things that crossed my mind. And I just, I was like, no, that for me, that tag, that was probably going to take me another two years to draw again. Uh, It's not worth me like who I am. Right. And so it sucks that I didn't bring any meat home, but I learned a lesson. Right. And I also learned that (laughs) I need to trust myself a little bit more. And uh, the fact that I I knew I'd had a good shot because, I mean, he he really did. He piled up right there, you know. And so I just need to be a little bit more diligent, I guess, in my tracking um, and maybe not try and squeeze it in before a work meeting. So,
2: <laughs> dude, my thing is like, I watch, I watch people on TV and they've got a camera crew with them, mm-hmm. obviously. And so they'll shoot and then they'll review the footage over mm-hmm. and over and zoom oh, in yeah. as close as they can and see where it goes. And for me, I'm like, that has got to be one of the best tools that you can have as a hunter because you don't have to rely only on your memory and what you think mm-hmm. you saw. Um, You can actually look back at physical evidence of what happened Because, dude, my buck this year, same exact thing. I shot my buck with a 300 PRC at 70 yards. Hmm. Smoked it. Absolutely knew I smoked it. It ran up the hill. I got a second shot on it and shot it again, and it dropped. From my first shot to my second shot, it had probably gone 80 yards, and there wasn't a Hmm. single drop of blood anywhere. With a 300 PRC, you know, but... With the bullet expansion these days, like I've had multiple, multiple elk that I find elk, deer, you name it, that I find the bullet actually like lodged in the opposing side of it with, with Mm. a bow. It's totally different. Yeah. And that's one thing I do like about archery is that it typically, you know, if, if you make a shot on it, it's going to pump blood, but obviously, you know, it's not every time you have to treat Mm -hmm. every sin, every, every hunt, every shot, like it's brand new and but yeah to trust your instincts and trust that like hey man i swear i saw it go in it's got to be around here somewhere
1: yeah and i mean at 80 yards like that arrow especially when you're shooting at an animal it's like slow motion like you i, I mean i can i can still picture it right now just that the flight of it and then seeing it just bury into the fur yep. you know and uh so anyway that you know i went up recover the buck couldn't get any meat off of that and then uh, a couple days later um, I actually went up with my my son, and we found that, that's why I'm holding it right. But we found the release, so nice. it, it had been sitting up there for about a week and a half. And uh, so I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to add that to my my review whenever I do a review on this thing about how there's there's literally no rust. It went through a couple snowstorms, melted snow. It was in the mud. It's not gritty anything. So anyway. Jeez. Great release. Heck yeah. <laughs>
2: Everybody go out and buy one of these releases.
1: Yeah, exactly. Chris B will be happy about that one. Uh, but no, it's uh it, it was rough. It was rough because that was my first um Mule Deer tag with a bow, or sorry, mule deer buck with a bow. Uh I got a doe last year. That was my first big game kill with a bow. Um, and that one went way different. Like she literally rolled back to my truck so
2: (laughs) (laughs) that would be really nice to have
1: yeah that one was 70 yards uphill went through both shoulders pinned her to the mountain and then when she rolled back it snapped the arrow and she rolled like right to my truck i literally maybe took 10 steps drug her and threw her in the back of the (laughs) back of the truck (laughs) we but
2: i i love when they when they die close like that And Mm -hmm. we, we rarely have that happen. You know, where, where I shot mine for it to make it back to even a side-by-side trail, it'd be like four miles direct line Mm. straight to it. What's funny is the final day of elk hunting this year. Uh, I, I helped this one guy, Chuck, get a bull. It was his first bull, his first elk hunt ever. Super awesome hunt. There was two bulls with it. And I was like, dude, we got to get the other guys up here. And they were just down the ridge probably I don't know 400 yards and right after he shot one of the guys rolls up on the four-wheeler and I said go back and get Thad or like go back and get the other guys like we've got another bull and there was several people with bull tags but Thad was next on the list so he ends up making a shot on this bull and we could see it limping after he shot and the way it Mm. acted I was like that like we think you made a good shot it was hard to see I mean it was a long shot it was and some yards and with with a rifle, obviously. Uh, And he, uh, so we watch this bull. We end up going over and trying to get on it. One of the four wheelers couldn't make it up the hill. They come back. I hop on mine with another, with Thad. And I'm like, dude, let's go after it. So we just like barrel up this hill. And I think we're both going to die, right? Like we finally make it over there. And they had just crossed the four wheeler trail. And at this point, we only knew of one bull. We saw it pick up a couple of other bulls in like two drainages. And then by the time we get over there, there were five bulls. And I'm like, holy cow. Like there's a lot there's a lot of elk right here that we didn't know were around. And long story short, he had made a very bad shot on this elk. My buddy Sean said, like Sean and I are very similar in the fact that like if it's hit, we are gonna follow it until it goes on the private or until the blood trail runs out, whatever he followed this elk on foot, just like one drop of blood every 15 feet. And he followed it for four and a half miles ends up catching up to this bull and putting a shot on it. And where he finally shot it was 200 yards from spike camp. Or not spike camp, our main base camp. And so we actually drove the four-wheeler right up to it, loaded the entire elk on the back of the four wheeler, which we had <laughs> never done before. The suspension was bottomed out on my buddy's four wheeler. I bet <laughs> it was pretty funny. But That's awesome. like the fact that it went that far, I know why now. Uh it turns out, I don't know how this is possible, but it went through the front left hoof and the back right hoof. Huh. And I'm like, uh, okay, but like the front left hoof was completely blown off, the back right hoof had just one hole through it. But the snow, as it was packing, the snow, the snow would like gather on it, and then every like, you know, five to ten yards, it would fall off, and there'd be a drop of blood in some hmm. in some snow. And so wow. he ended up recovering it. But dude, it, I'm like, that would have been the easiest pack out ever. Uh, you know, had that been the first shot but it ended up being the hardest track job that we had ever done and luckily still recovered it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's rough, but uh, you know, the due diligence and it's uh, it's something that isn't spoken about a lot. And uh, I think, you know, it's good to, to bring that up because you know, just not, I guess not leaving it and saying, Oh, well, you know, I had a bad shot. I'm going to move on to the next one. Like that's, that's kind of your responsibility as a hunter to go out and make sure you've done your due diligence and tracking it. Um, and again, that was kind of eye opening for me to not have any blood and me having felt like I had done my due diligence and it still wasn't quite enough. So, you know, that'll carry on into, into future hunts for sure. Um, this this uh, elk season's kicking my butt. I um you know late season uh, we're getting a ton of snow right now, which is great. Um, we've been getting snow since the end of October, which helps bring the the elk down. yep and uh I've had some good some good opportunities um and then you know I I just uh what was it a week ago a week and a half ago um I I walked in after a fresh snowstorm. And uh, for some reason, so I had seen the spike tuck in behind this ridge and I was like, great, I'm just going to get to the top of that ridge and glass down into that little ravine or the the draw over on that other side. Um, there's got to be elk in there. He's got to not be the only elk that's in that draw. Yeah. So I put my head down. I mean, the the snow was probably a foot and a half deep um, and I just I just was trudging through. I mean just hitting it as hard as I could. I hadn't brought my snowshoes. So I was just post hole getting as far as I could. And I hit these elk tracks. And for some reason, my brain was just so focused on getting to the top of this Ridge that I didn't think. And I was just at the base of the Ridge that I was going to start heading up. So my mind was saying, you know, you're about to have to get the heart pumping a little bit more and get moving. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I noticed these elk tracks, they were big. So there were bull tracks and I was like, great, it's heading in the same direction that I am. For some reason didn't click in my brain. The snow just stopped. These are fresh, like 30 yeah. minutes or less. <laughs> like, Dang. And it didn't click. So anyway, I'm walking, I'm walking, and I'm following these tracks. And then I hit kind of a spot where I was like, I, I literally cannot go up the face of this because it's so nasty thick. I would need a chainsaw to get through. So now I'm like thinking, okay, you know, which way do I go? And as I'm sitting there thinking that I hadn't checked my wind or anything like that, I, I hear some rustling off to the left. I'm like, maybe it's the snow falling off the tree. I look over, there's three five by fives. Oh, 60 yards from me. Oh my god. walking perfectly broadside. And I had no shot. I mean, the trees were like this. So even with a rifle, it would have been a sketchy shot. Yeah. And I just looked at them and just kind of admired them <laughs> <laughs> as they majestically, very quietly walked through these trees. And I was just like, man. And so I i had hit that part where I needed to turn left or right, and I was going to turn left. So I turned left, and not even 40 yards from that left turn were their beds. And it smelled like a barnyard. Oh, it, fresh goodness. pee, crap. The three beds, big old massive beds, just right there. And all I could think was, You're such an idiot. Like, you should <laughs> have known that you saw these fresh tracks. Like, I'd just seen so many tracks from previous snowstorms that just didn't click in my head that these were fresh because the snow had just stopped. Yeah. And so, anyway, um, and then, of course, the wind was blowing right their direction. So they didn't hear me and they didn't see me, but they definitely smelled me as I was walking that way. Yep. And so I followed them around and I get up to the, like, fighting through this thick, nasty stuff. I I bust out some good does and a really nice four point buck, which, of course, after I shot my buck, I found all these really nice bucks that, you Every know, time. if I'd waited a week, it would have been great. Yeah. You if know,
2: you if you don't have a tag, they're going to be right in front of you. Oh, yeah. If you do, I, they're nowhere to be found.
1: I swear there's pheromones. That's why they want to keep you with the, the physical tags and not doing digital tags. Cause they put pheromones on it. Like yeah. I oh, yeah. swear that up and down. <laughs> See, I think, but, I
2: think, uh, I think the other key is like they can just sense when you can hunt them because I have had so many animals within mm-hmm. range when I can't shoot them. And so I'm convinced what I need to do is have my buddy buy a tag for like go and get the tag for me and i will be completely oblivious and then last minute he's going to be like hey you actually have a tag for that and then i can be like oh sweet and shoot it
1: yeah that might be it All the, the stress hormones you're putting out as you're you know exactly. like stressing about okay i could see that yep. uh so yeah today like today alone i saw 40 plus turkeys and Jeez. i've got turkey tags but they're for private only and oh. so they're they were literally sitting off the highway 15 yards off the highway like I could have I could have pulled off and shot him with my bow they weren't moving I pulled off and took some pictures of them they were just like hunkered down they're like what are you gonna do yep
2: <laughs> Jeez, dude Utah has got to be just a killer place to hunt turkeys because hmm. I I had never been to Utah up until this last year uh up until summer and no sorry early in the year I went out there for a mountain lion hunt and we were looking for tracks and this whole mm-hmm. dirt road was just covered. It looked like a mosaic pattern of Turkey tracks. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this would be the coolest country to Turkey hunt in. Obviously, if you're doing a Turkey call, you know, you got to keep your you head say on swivel for mountain lions. Yeah. I say that, but <laughs> as soon as I have a tag, I'm not going to see any. They're
1: the but... smartest dumb birds around. Oh, dude. I hate them it they. so
2: much, man. <laughs> it's like the only thing that I love to shoot out of hate for them. Um, But we, we were, we were on the way to our elk unit and we drove through this town and I swear from for 15 miles, I saw probably 400 turkey. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like where Mm -hmm. these things just hang out. Like, do they not have anything that kills them around here? Because I feel like. You could just shoot in any direction and probably kill a turkey in some of these spots. It's oh, insane. yeah. I could
1: have filled all three tags today with one arrow. They were just, like, <laughs> stacked on each other. I could have just plugged You have them. a little turkey but...
2: kebab already yeah. ready to go. You just throw <laughs> exactly. your whole arrow on the
1: fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it. I love Utah. It's got a lot of great opportunities, to be honest with you. Um and the fact that, you know, our season, it goes so long, you know, uh, so anyway, with those three bulls, you know, I followed their tracks, got through some really thick stuff and I was like covered in these like prickly, whatever they are. <clears throat> and I was getting really excited. Cause I was finding, you know, elk fur on the branches and all this stuff. And, uh, I, I follow their tracks down to the bottom and I run into another hunter. I was like, did you see those three bulls that just walked past you? He's like, no, I was like. <laughs> It's like, well, they I, I was literally just following their tracks across this face right here. They had to have walked right past you. He was like, no, I didn't see anything. And then I look up, and a ridge over, they were already at the top of that other ridge. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, how? how? Yeah. <laughs> and so we just, I just, again, I had maybe 45 minutes left of the day, and it was so thick that, one, they were already on high alert, but, two, there was no way I'd get to them, and even if I did, there's no shot. Yep. So I just got some good footage of them and they were pretty bulls. Um, Two of them were good five buys. And then the other one was, he was okay. um, But, but yeah, they were, they were some good looking bulls. And I was like, man, I had texted my buddy who was on the Ridge just behind them. I was like, Hey, I'm sending three bulls your way. I know you don't have a tag anymore, but you know, <laughs> just in case you want to get a good picture of them. Uh, But yeah, so that that's kind of how things are going right now. Um, I haven't been able to find them since I'm turning up tons of mule deer done to turkeys obviously uh but yeah i've got tomorrow i'll be heading up and hopefully able to knock one down but if not i'll be doing another tag soup recap on my own podcast oh man
2: <laughs> dude those elk i i get so frustrated with them and watch how easily they maneuver the country that mm-hmm. we hunt in and i'm like okay i get it they've got four legs but they're 3 to 4 times heavier than we are and I'm like, also, even with two legs, we've got half the legs, we should be able to move half as fast as them. No, it's like 1 <laughs> 20th the speed that mm-hmm. they can move. And I've watched them clear two miles in a matter of like under 10 minutes, just watching mm-hmm. them book it. We've had, we've had uh, some private land guys uh, and guides that they'll see hunters, you know, making a play on elk, and they will actually come in and push the elk back onto private. And that happened to us one year. And we probably saw 70 elk. And Man. they were all they were all probably two to three hundred yards on the public land. We could have hunted them and we were making a play. And these guys just start bombing down the mountain towards them. Yeah. And I watch all these elk. And it if for real, I wish I had video of it, because I would guess it was five to six minutes that they made it all the way across this entire valley meadow private property and into a completely different mountain range and Jeez. I'm like you gotta be kidding me man like they can just they're move tough. and it doesn't matter what's in their animals. way like they'll push through anything me I have like some scrub oak and I'm like getting tore up and getting bound up <laughs> and my backpack's getting caught I'm like dude these things have three foot wide antlers and they're just walking through it like it's no problem at all
1: mm-hmm. they yep. drive me yes. crazy man it is. it is a little crazy and it but uh, you know, it keeps me coming back. Oh yeah, keeps me coming back. So, so you've yeah, got
2: well, one day left to hunt because mm-hmm. then you've got your daughter's birthday, and then what's after that? I mean, once yeah, once elk so, season ends, what do you do?
1: Well, so one one highlight of this season is I've been able to help pack out a lot of animals. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I've I've helped a ton of people up in the area that I was hunting for the mule deer. Um, you know. I, one thing that i've kind of pushed is helping other people as they're out there because i feel like a lot of people are closed off and i don't know if it's intentional or not but you know especially once i knew my tag was filled um you know i just i was like look this is where i've seen some good mule deer if you want to go after them that's that's kind of the spot there uh there's four guys that i was like hey text me when you get one right And three of them ended up getting one. And, you know, I just, I was like, all right, my, you know, one, one of the times we were sitting there um, eating dinner and, uh, or just wrapping up dinner and and I get a text from the guy and my wife's like, who's that? And I said, I, I said, um," you know, I looked at my phone. I was like, Oh yeah, that's his name. I was like, (laughs) like, he just got it. He just got a deer. And uh, she was like, you better throw your pack on, get up there. So you know, uh it, it's been cool to help people and to get to know people and to show uh, there was there was a guy from Louisiana that came out here with his wife um, and I was kind of showing them some areas that I'd seen some good mule deer and they're like, wow, you're so nice, you know and I'm like, I you still got to put in the work, right? And yeah. so I'm just trying to help out and and kind of be a little bit more open because it is uh, you know, it's public land and on top of that, like I understand if you're in you've got a target buck, And you've been tracking them since velvet or before. And, uh, you know, that's a little different. I wouldn't give that away necessarily, Yeah, but I'd still be like, Hey, I've seen mule deer over here. I've seen a good buck here, you know, and, and kind of help people out in that way. Um, I I feel like there needs to be a little bit less, uh, infighting with the hunting crowd. Um, it's just something that, that seems to be tearing up the community a little bit. So I'm just trying to do my little part and, and help people out where I can, uh, and not be so close-minded to, to other hunters, you know? Um,
2: Oh yeah. I think, I think as a community, anytime you can help somebody, like we've had, we've had guys in years past that have hit us up that, you know, camp down the Valley from us. We, we didn't know them from Adam until, Mm -hmm. you know, we bumped into each other, start talking find out where they're from, find out their story. And we've had it where they message us, like, or what we used to do is go up to the top of the mountain. Right. And Mm -hmm. we'd get cell service and reach like call our wives, whatever, midweek uh or like some people go up there and do it every night and so we went up and these guys it's 11 o'clock at night and they're like hey man we got a big bull down this is where we're at we love any help but we don't expect it and so mm-hmm. we had like four guys that all bombed down in helped them pack it out and they were the nicest guys we had the same thing happen last year i went to a unit in colorado that i had never hunted before and uh we were just driving these roads, looking at different valleys, trying to figure out exactly where we wanted to hunt for the evening. It was like middle of the day. And I see this guy and he starts, wa- he's like walking from the road out. And I'm like, dude, he doesn't look like he's hunting. He just looks like he's hiking, you know? And so we stop and we talk to him and he's like, dude, we shot a bull up on top of this man and it is like a long way. He's like, my buddy's still up there quartering it out. And <laughs> He's like, we're we're not even going to make it back before dark. And I'm like, I mean, where you're talking about, yeah, you're right. But I was like, do you have Onyx? And he's like, no, I don't. And I was like, we were just about to drive like all the way up to the top. It's like 15 miles to get up there because of how you have to take the two tracks all the way around. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, based on where you think this bull is, I'm pretty sure you're going to be within like 200 yards of the side-by-side trail. And he's like, dude, if you guys are going up there, man, like anything that you can do to help. And so I was like, all right, man, well, we're going to cruise around. If we see something, we're obviously going to go after it. But if not, we're going to make our way around and see if we can help you out. Sure enough, we go all the way up. There was another group of guys. They had just loaded a bull onto the back of a side-by-side, the full bull in the back of it. I'm like, did you kill this thing right here? They're like, no, we all all four drug this all the way up from the bottom. I'm like, oh, you're crazy. And, uh, so, so they put it in the back. We talked to them. We end up going all the way around and I had dropped a pin somewhere in the area of where he said, and he's like, dude, uh, we hung or he's like, my buddy should be up there. But if not, we said we were going to hang like a vest or a hat or something high so that you can see it. So we get to the side-by-side, the end of the side-by-side trail, drop down off the ridge and look over. And it's like 75, 80 yards And I see this orange vest and I'm like, no way, man. Like this is perfect. We see him. He didn't ride up with us. He, he still hiked up it. So we were, we had (laughs) been there and we're like, dude, we're just going to sit here in glass until we see him. And like 30 minutes later, he comes up the mountain, looks like he's about to die. And we end up just packing (laughs) everything up on the side by side and driving it back for him. But yeah, when you can do that, especially these guys, like it was their first time out there, you know, any, any little bit of information or any help, you know, especially packing out an elk, it's going to bring them back and it's just going to build the community. What I find, uh, it seems like I find this in Colorado though, is we, we talk to everybody, right? If we see somebody on the trail, we stop, we're like, Hey, what tags do you have? You know, like, where are you hunting? Or, uh, you know, have you been seen much? And like, we'll share what tags we have. And sometimes, you know, they're hunting mule deer, we're hunting elk and we can help each other out. It seemed like every person from out of state was extremely helpful. I mean, they would just give you every piece of like, oh, dude, I just saw a big bull. Like I've got a bull tag, but there's bulls right down here. I saw them down here three days ago. And then we run into people from Colorado and they're like, oh, yeah, man, all the bulls are, you know, on the far southwest (laughs) side of the unit. And I'm like, why are you hunting the northeast side of the unit then like if the you're hunting here. bulls, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just kind of interesting, the mindset. And I think, I think the Midwest is really good about that stuff, like helping each other out. And, like, they'll just tell you everything. Like, dude, I had this buck, and, you know, I'm going after these ones. And they're on the neighbor's property, or they, they're hanging out in this public land area. And then you get out west, and it's like, if they tell you where they hunt, they're going to end up burying you, you know, like you're not making it out
1: there with the information. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know why, uh, I don't understand it. I don't know if it's just something that's taught. I'm not from Utah. So, uh, you know, but I, I just kind of treat it the the way I'd, I'd like to be treated. Like, obviously I'm, I'm not asking you for your honey hole. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go where you're going. Uh, I actually would like to stay away from you. So, (laughs) you know, uh, that that's kind of how I treat it. But um yeah it's it's been a great season so far um you know i'm excited for it i'm excited to uh, my buddy with his bison tag in january and then uh we're blackberry in idaho uh for the spring nice. Um. so we're we've got some stuff lined up um but i'm kind of excited to be honest with you to not to i guess to be done i wish you know and i really hope tomorrow i fill the tag if not, either way, I'm excited to go back to like dedicating all that time into family yep. and uh and then tinkering, getting things set up, figuring out what I liked, what I didn't like about my setups. And uh, and then I've got a kind of a big project that I'm doing right now with um with Redbeard's Fit Crew uh that I'm I haven't announced there yet. Um Ooh. I've kind of teased a little bit, but uh I'm gonna be doing something there uh over the next uh, next year basically it's going to be a, a kind of a year-long thing um that i'm going to do with the crew so i'll be Sweet. announcing that probably tomorrow night during our weekly call um, very cool but yeah so i've got i've got stuff in the works i've got you know there's a- always stuff to do i don't have as many cool hunts as you do um but uh, i'll definitely get some opportunities uh here in the next couple of years to do some out-of-state stuff and i need to get into whitetail as well Dude. um especially so
2: much fun like i I know there's the diehard elk and mule deer hunters that they'll actually track the same elk or buck year after year. You know, I know it's a lot less uh, common out West that people are able to do that just because of the ground that they cover in, you know, the hunting pressure and the predators. But that's, that's one of the things that I love most about whitetail hunting is to build a history with one specific deer or a bunch of different deer. Like I've done that with does. I had a, I had a doe years ago that popped up on trail camera and she has Roman nose. And so Mm. like normally if you look sideways at a deer, it's like a 45 degree angle from the eyes down to the end of the nose. This was like the St. Louis arch. I mean, it Mm. like bowed out and it was the weird, Mm. like what, what's that animal, the puppet animal elf or is that right? What is that elf? Maybe it's Uh. not, it looks weird. Like Mm. it, it, it was an old puppet, TV show, something. And it, it looks like that. I mean, it's just like this weird shape. And so hmm. the fact that even with a doe that I could actually continue to see this doe on camera and see it in person and then see some of her offspring, actually hmm. my target hmm. buck right now for late season is a buck that I call Valentino and he has Roman nose also. And I'm pretty sure that I got him on camera in the f- first moments of his life she had given birth just off screen of my trail camera. And then I watched Mm. this tiny little fawn like emerge and it's like stumbling all over the place. And, uh, dude, there's something addicting about it because I love checking my trail cameras almost as much as I love hunting and just like documenting. Okay. These are the nights that they're there. These are the days that they're out during daylight and, with whitetail, uh, the Drury's actually talk about this quite a bit. There's a lot of people who practice it now. They say annually, if you have... they Some guys won't even check their trail cameras at all the year of. They will check them mm. after season, and then they will use the data that they gathered to hunt those same deer next year. And they're like, if you have a buck during daylight in a specific spot, you need to be there the day of the day day before and the day after the following year so say it's october 31st you want to be there the 30th 31st and november 1st and if that buck is still alive there's a good chance because of their annual pattern that it will show up in the exact same Hmm. spot or close to it within a day and wow watching looking at trail camera photos now i'm like man i heard that and i was like i've never done that and i i don't think i ever will like not check my cameras throughout this season um but I've seen annual patterns with whitetail where it's like, dude, I I saw one, you know, November 10th and here he is again, November 10th, Mm. the next year, and he's in the same spot. And so it's just kind of a cool way that you can, you can add to your hunt or you can add to the intel that you get.
1: No, that's cool. Yeah. It's definitely something I I need to get into because I I could go back to North Carolina and do it. I just need to find some property, which I'm sure is not too difficult, but. You know, it, it's something that I haven't added to my plate as of yet. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go out and do that sometime. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, You know.
2: I think you oh, and man. I need to go up and hunt whitetail. Like, like what happened with your elk with those three bulls, how you were on their tracks and you were following mm-hmm. them. There's guys in northern Maine who will actually walk down whitetail. And if they really? find a fresh track, they will walk the fresh track and go slower and slower and slower. And they'll watch the spacing of the track to see how fast that deer is walking. They'll see Hmm. if it's like stopping to graze or if there's a bed somewhere and then it gets up and goes again. And they do it right after a fresh snow. In fact, uh, one of my buddies that I've had on the podcast before, they just had success this year doing that, where they just walked this public land, found buck tracks, and just continued to walk. And every time they'd come up like over a hill, they would just slowly peek over and scan and look hmm. and see if it was bedded down or see if it was standing up feeding, whatever. And they actually got a deer that way. And I'm like, that would be wild. Like that is interesting
1: spot and stock. Yeah.
2: It's like spot and stalk. but he said, normally when you see it, it's time to shoot. So it's not like you saw the deer, you're just spot and hmm. stalk the tracks or you're spot yeah. and stalking deer tracks until you hmm. catch up with it. And so I just thought that was really interesting. And and with whitetail, you know, they'll run, but typically whitetail aren't running for a half mile. You know, they're going right. to run a couple hundred yards, stop, turn around, look around. And uh, it, it, as long as you're not like right on top of them with a the fresh snow, you might actually be able to catch up to them. So that's a hunt that I definitely want to do. It's moved way up on my bucket list to successfully harvest a whitetail by doing that.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd have, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I've never heard of that, so that, that's really cool. Um, yeah, no, that's hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it, it'd be a fun hunt. <laughs> what uh
2: what what's bucket list for you? I mean, a bison hunt is pretty sweet. In fact, I just talked to a, a guy earlier today and he drew an Arizona bison tag wow. and got one doing it solo. Luckily, he had guys that came in way late at night and helped him out. And I feel like a bison is just a different level. You know, you're talking like 1,100 plus pounds. And oh, yeah, and
1: my buddy's doing it with a bow.
2: Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> that is so sweet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we're getting his He's – he's got his his setup pretty dialed in, um, And uh, but it's going to be cold. I mean, it's going to be in, in the middle of January oh. at like 10,000 feet of elevation. So it's going to be freezing um so that part i'm not necessarily excited about yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. and they actually said the people that are the outfitters they were like yeah we actually prefer them up here rather than down in the desert part of this area because the desert just sucks to to stalk them in because there's nothing to nothing to to cover you um but yeah the bison are just it's crazy but i I guess for i don't know uh bucket list man I, i because I haven't knocked an elk down I'm elk is still there for me yeah um you know and I don't know if elk I don't know if that'll change just because of the areas that they live in um the way they are the sounds they make the way they look that I mean they're just there's not really much else like that like I like the idea yeah. of you know like a bighorn sheep or a really nice mule deer um those those are awesome uh but I don't necessarily look forward to Walking across shale cliff faces to <laughs> bighorn sheep, yeah, uh, you know stuff like that. So I, I, I really like the areas the elk are in. I know how frustrating they are, but um, you know I'm looking forward to having some good hunts that maybe they aren't as pressured and they're more in their natural environment that I can uh, get in on them during September. I'm excited about that.
2: So, yeah, it. I feel like the challenge of it makes it more rewarding once you yeah. actually connect. You know. I've been talking about this a lot lately and I really do believe that the less success you have, the more failure you have, the more rewarding it is when you are successful and the work that you have to put into it. Like, don't get me wrong. Say I go out to elk camp and we get base camp set up and opening morning, I get out of the tent and there's a big elk right outside Mm -hmm. my tent. I'm pulling the trigger on it a hundred out of a hundred times. But when you actually have to go and find these elk and pattern them or figure out why they're working the area that they are, where they're going from bedding to water to food, and then you connect with it. And then the pack out, like the physical demand it takes on your body and the toll that it takes, all of that just makes it feel so much more rewarding. And as guys, like we like to have a job, You know, like if I sat around all day, I wouldn't feel accomplished at the end of the day. Mm-mm. If I go and help my buddy build a deck, I'm going to be like, dude, I did something today, you know, and it's the same thing with hunting.
1: Yep, no, exactly. I feel that same way. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that I feel like is ingrained in us. And I feel like that's why, you know, I've had a lot of people that are like, hey, when are you going to rifle hunt? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not going back to rifle hunting just yet. Yeah. Um, I want to have a significant amount of success with my bow, but also it's, there's something different for me, nothing against rifle hunting whatsoever, but there's something different for me with archery. I can't like, there's the intangibles of it, but also, um, I, honestly, there's just something different about it for me. Uh, for some people, they enjoy rifle hunting, getting their, their setup dialed and everything with their rifle. Uh, you know, for me, I guess it would be time if I had all the time in the world, baby, uh, yep. If I had all the money in the world, maybe, but I just really enjoy tinkering with, with bows, being able to shoot it in my garage, um, being able to take it out at distance, you know, just, just so many things that, that click with me with, with archery versus rifle hunting. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's, that's where I'm going to yeah. stay for a while. So
2: what, uh, what setup does your buddy have for a bison? Cause I can only, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that traditionally, like bison mm-hmm. were killed with bow and arrow. But yeah. I feel like with all of the technology that we have now, I mean, you can really manufacture an arrow setup and your bow setup specifically for an animal of that size.
1: Yeah, so he's he's got a 30-inch draw, so his arrow is a little bit heavier. Um, he's shooting the, the Hoyt carbon bow, um, the RX-7, so it'll be a little bit better for that cold temperature. Yep. Uh, he's got it, I want to say it's eight, the 80-pound bow. Okay. Um or high seventies eighty pounds somewhere around there, and uh, he's shooting. He's going to be shooting the Vector broadheads uh, that Vector just came out with, and the Vector arrows. Um, and and then so he has obviously hasn't tagged out yet, but someone who has uh, put an arrow through a, a bison would be Preston. Um, a lot of people might know him as Mountain Physio on Instagram. Uh, he arrowed a bull was it two years ago or a year ago? Uh, I'd recommend people go watch that, that video, but he put an yeah. iron will with kind of a heavier arrow, uh, through a bison and it had a complete pass through. Um, Jeez. so, you know, it's, it's good shot placement, obviously, but also you want to have a sharp broadhead with a behind it. So good poundage and, uh, and maybe a little bit heavier arrow than maybe you would shoot for a, you know, a mule deer or an elk. Um, I don't know. I I'd say probably about the same setup as an elk, but right. Yeah. Uh, you know, mule deer, you can go a little bit lighter so you can get a, a, a further shot, I guess, um, is what some people aim for, but, but yeah, so that's kind of what he's doing is just a higher poundage, which he's going to shoot anyway, uh, a little bit heavier arrow, and he's going to have the vector broadheads.
2: Nice. I can only imagine man coming away with three or 400 pounds of bison meat, dude. I love eating Buffalo. And I mean, it's all farm raised, right? I've never eaten a wild Buffalo, but I can only imagine how good that would taste. I'd be I'd be meticulously dissecting every cut of meat on that and getting oh, everything yeah. I could out of it.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be exciting to watch for sure. He he had a good buck as well this season. So he's had a good year as well. Um not nearly as many animals down as you, but uh but yeah, he's he's had a good season. So I'm excited to see what he does for for the bison hunt. Um I'm excited to help him out with that.
2: That's sweet, man. Well, dude, it sounds like, I mean, you've got your hands full tomorrow, but like the culmination of an entire season now in one day, and I'm sure it's going to be exciting and high alert. No pressure. Dude, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> I get a text saying, dude, it happened. I, I connected. Yeah. Um, But I appreciate you hopping on, man. And it's always good talking to you. And like I said, hopefully we can connect. Are you going to be at the Western Hunt Expo by chance?
1: I'm thinking about it. I've got a lot of things that I'm got coming up this year, so I don't know how much time I can pull from the family bucket uh, yeah. as far as time is concerned, but uh, we'll see. I know I'm going to be at a couple elk shape camps yep. um, and then possibly the Western hunting summit. Um, that's, that's something that is in the works, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to get out there and, uh, and see what they've got to offer as well.
2: Yeah. Let me know if you do. I'll be out there for that expo. And hopefully I can. Pair oh, that sorry. With I take learner. that
1: back. I misunderstood you. So the Western hunt, is it summit that I'm thinking about then that does uh, that stealthy hunter puts on? Oh, um, maybe.
2: Yeah, no, this that's is what the... I was thinking.
1: Oh, yeah, no, the Western Hunt expo. Yeah. hundred percent. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm going nice. to help. Uh, I'm going to be helping uh, Wild Arrow run their booth. OK, and sweet. then uh, I'll be out there with with the first form outdoors guys as well. So
2: Sweet, man. Well, we'll see you there. I'll be out there. And uh, I went to that show. That's the first show that I've ever gone to mm. and absolutely loved it. It's something it's fun. That I'll probably go to every year. And I've got uh, a couple other guys that I know out there. And um, it's just always fun to go and see all the new stuff coming out. You know, like as far as Western big game goes, that's that's the event to be at. And so mm-hmm. when people are releasing new stuff and hearing about some of the rifle setups and the technology that pairs Optics with, uh, optics range with your finders, cell phone yeah. and range cell finders, phone, yeah. and I'm just like, dude. I, I so I stopped by the Vortex booth, and that's when I found out about their ballistic compensating binoculars. Mm-hmm. And I know you're an archery hunter, but as far as a rifle hunter goes, like I geek out about that stuff because now you can just you can load all your ballistic data into your binoculars so that when you range an animal, it tells you your bullet drop and what to adjust to that Mm -hmm. fast and i'm like next thing they're gonna have drones out here shooting elk for us you know like it's just insane how how fast technology is moving and uh so yeah i'm looking forward to that expo for sure so we'll definitely connect there and then we got to get a hunt on the books man we got to plan something out you come out here and do some whitetail hunting or turkey hunting or coyote or whatever as far as like big big game goes i have nothing to offer you here. But uh
1: <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> no, man, hopefully I'm good. Soon with turkeys. They open I'm, good it up. I'm great with turkeys, man.
2: Oh yeah. They I mean they've they've been opening up elk season and bear season here. Um, but I wanna say they've only given out like six tags a year. Mm-hmm. And so uh and they all go to residence. But you know, as as these conservation organizations keep doing more work, eventually we're gonna be like anybody's gonna be able to put in for these tags. And hopefully that happens sooner than later.
1: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, whitetail or turkey, I'm definitely up for that. And any coyote that walks out in the way, you know, take care of him too. Oh, so. dude,
2: those are always fun. Well, uh, before we hop off, if people haven't listened to the Western Rookie episode that you were on, uh, why don't you share with them where they can find you, where they can follow follow along, connect with Redbeard Outdoors or Fit Crew?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so, And we definitely delved into fitness a lot more on the Western Rookie. Um, oh, Yeah podcast so that was this it was a totally different conversation so you guys aren't getting a, a replay of of what we had previously so definitely go check that one out as well um but if you want to link up with me just on Instagram I'm at red.beard.outdoors uh and then the uh on Facebook just Redbeard's fit crew um I'd love to have you over there again like I said we're doing a big project so I'd love to have you in on that uh kicking off the new year you know everyone does New year new me we're gonna do it a different way. Um, and, uh, we do weekly calls there. And also of course I'm with first form outdoors. So if you want to go join that group as well, just great, like-minded individuals that want to succeed in life, uh, and get outdoors. So you don't have to be a hunter. You don't have to be a fisher if, if, or fisherman. If you just like to go out and canoe camp, backpack, hike, whatever, um, we want you in the groups as well. So come join us. And that's where you can link up with me.
2: Heck yeah, man. And if you guys are listening to this, And you want to watch the video of it? Go check out YouTube, and then you need to comment on what his flag says there uh, on his wall because you you found a way
1: to sneak it in.
2: I I know. I I honestly didn't even think about it, and then you started saying first form, and I was like, oh gosh, man, we could have, we probably would have gone on a twenty minute tangent about it. So it's probably good that we leave it for the end.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Go check the YouTube video out as well. So that that'll be a good one
2: well sweet man I appreciate it and uh, we'll see you soon
1: yeah same to you man thanks for having me on
2: and that is going to wrap it up for today's show what an awesome episode and it's always fun to talk to Jonathan he is a guy that's going to be on the podcast a ton and I'm really excited to meet up with him in Salt Lake City so I haven't heard from him yet today I actually recorded this outro the day after we had our conversation so I'm not totally sure how it went It could be a good thing that I haven't heard from him. Maybe he's still out there packing out a bull, or maybe it's a bad thing, and he just had no updates for me at all. Either way, the end of the season is a bittersweet time. You know, you're looking forward to next season, you're looking forward to time with your family, but also when you end, any season it's just like man it's a long wait until the next one starts but i'm pumped to meet up with him in salt lake city and if you guys are going to be out there at all please come come by if you see me walking around say hi we'll grab a picture together maybe make some stupid tiktok dance or something and uh, i'm going to be out there just making connections and and chatting with other hunters and outdoors men and women so come say hi and until next time always choose adventure and god bless